This message was presented at the GYC 2010 No Turning Back Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Good morning, everyone. How are y'all doing this morning? Are you, are you uh, blessed this morning? I'm blessed and highly favored this morning from Jesus. I don't deserve it. None of us do. But praise God that we have salvation in him. We have eternal life through him. And we can learn more about him and how to get closer to him in this seminar. Um, my name is Wesley White. I am a student from Souls West. And um, the seminar is entitled uh, Devoted Devotions, A Vibrant De- Devotional Life for the Last Days. And how many of you have been here, let me see if anyone's been here the whole time, or four times at least, from the last, oh wow, quite a few. Praise the Lord Jesus. Have you, have you, been, have you been blessed? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, how many of you, this is your first time in this seminar? Oh wow, quite a few as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're glad to have you here. I know you have a lot of options to, to go to, a lot of great messages that are being preached and presented, but uh, we're glad to have you here in this seminar. Um, I've been blessed by hearing the messages. It was not only me that presented, but also Taj Pakalip. Uh He presented the first three, and they were blessed. And we talked about what one thing, or many things are, are helpful, but, but what? One thing is needful. And what was that one thing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Uh, the next one was about uh, thirsty in a pool of water. How we can be in the presence of God, but not have the presence of God within us. It needs to be inside of us. Amen? Not just around us. And then we talked about how we need to have, how we can prepare our hearts to have a, a, a sensitive heart and a, and a sensitive mind to receive the, the things that God desires to give to us. And then yesterday, when I, uh, in my first presentation, we spoke about how uh, bound by devotion, bound by devotion. How many were here for that one yesterday? A few of you. Um, how, how the Lord Jesus binds us to himself by his devotion, how it's not simply uh, a devotional life, we're not living a, a devotional life, but how we're to live a life of what? Devotion to God. We examined the, the life of Paul, and we saw what drove him, what motivated him to live such a life, a powerful life of devotion, a life that was willing to be stoned to the point of death and getting up and preaching the next day. Amen. And we, we, we decided that we, we want to have that type of devotion, right? And he got that devotion by seeing the Lord Jesus, by seeing a vision of him and having that vision be repeated in his mind over and over and over again, seeing the cross. And we came to the conclusion that, that in order to be like Paul, in order to minister like he ministered, in order to change the world like he changed the world, we must see what he saw. We talked about how we oftentimes say, yes, we should behold Christ. Yes, we ought to look to Jesus. But what does that mean? If we are really looking to Jesus, we, we would see the same things that we saw or that Paul saw in his time. That same motivating factor of Christ, if we could clearly see him as he is, would transform and change our lives. But why is it not doing that? Why are we still like we are in this planet? Why are we seeing the powerful things happen that happened to the apostles? Have, that, have you ever asked that question before? I, I, that, that question plagues my mind. When the Bible says in, in, in John chapter 12, verse 14, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth in me, the things that I do, shall he do what? Also. And greater things than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Christ promised us that. Why aren't we seeing that happen? So the message this morning is entitled, Solitary Time with the Savior, Why We Can't See. 
why we can't see, why when we go to the Word of God, we look to Christ, we look to the, 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 the Calvary account, we look to, to, to the Gethsemane account, and, we can't, and we're not touched and not changed and not transformed, why we don't have this devotion, why we can't see as we should see. Have any of you ever heard a person say, you know what, man, I, I just, I spent time with Jesus this morning and it just touched my heart, changed my life. I, I was crying, I was in tears just seeing Christ upon the cross. And then you go to the, that same passage and you read the same passage and it's like, well, it didn't do that to me. What, what blocks us? What's holding us from beholding Jesus? What's blinding our eyes? What's blinding us from even our desire to read the Bible or desire to pray? What is blocking us from these things? That's the question that we're going to tackle this morning. So I hope you brought your Bibles. hope you brought a piece of paper and a pen to take notes. Um, before we get into answering this specific question, I just want to go into a few practical things of, of devotions. And before we do that, what, what, what should we do before we do that? We should pray. Amen? We don't want Wesley to speak, but we want the Holy Ghost. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for bringing us here, Father. And, and indeed, Lord, we desire to see Jesus. Lord, we desire to lift him up, to be able to behold him, and, and by beholding him be changed to, to transform this very world, Lord. So I pray that, Lord, the words that are spoken would not be my words. Lord, as Paul said, I speak not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power. Lord, I pray for your presence to be here with us, not only with us, but in us, Father, in this message. May hearts be clear. May there be no distractions from the enemy, Lord. May, may, may Lord, we receive a clear view, a clear view, Father, of the cross and of Christ. And may the blinders be taken off. May the scales be taken away from our eyes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I just want to go over, before we tackle this very important question, I want to tackle uh, a few things of, of, of practical devotional life. Now, because um, we're talking about spending time with the Savior. So when is the best time, would you say, to spend time with Jesus? Early in the morning. Why? A fresh mind. I heard that. What else? That's what, what? That's what Jesus did. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? It's a, a fresh mind. That's, what, that's following the example of Christ. Why the morning? First thing. One thing is needful. To sit at the feet of Christ. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Someone else. Back here. Whoo. That's right. That's right. Praise the Lord. Self wakes us. We got to surrender self to God first thing in the morning. Mm. That's right, that's right. So it's the beginning of your day, it's surrendering self to God, it's, it's, it's your, your mind is more clear, and we're following the example of Christ. Go in the, in the Word of God to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1. And you're all probably familiar with this verse, uh, Mark chapter 1, and let's look at verse 34 and 35. Mark chapter 1, verse 34 and 35. And by the way, um, just, to, just so you know what's going to happen, this message, um, we have two more meetings today. Um, this one and the next one, the next one's entitled um, Something to Do with Surrender. And it's going to be a little bit of a shorter message. It's going to tie into this one. And then we're going to have a, a short question and answer period. So if you have any questions, you know, things have come up in your mind as you've listened to the messages, uh, we're going to have a, a question and answer period. So if you have any questions wait, while we're going through this, write them down. And we're going to have, uh, me and Taj are going to do a little question and answer um, to answer some more of your questions. Um, but anyway, we're in Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 30, what? 34. 
the Bible says there, Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because he knew them. Oh, they, they knew him, excuse me. They knew him. Verse 35. Now in the morning, rising, uh, having risen a long while before daylight, he went, in, went out and departed to a what? Solitary place and there pray. So we see Christ in, 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 in chapter or in verse 34, him, him, him healing and, and casting out demons and doing all his marvelous works. But we find in the next verse where he found power, where he found his ability, his capability of doing that, where he got that, that power from. And it was from going to God in the morning to a solitary place and spending time with his father. We're told that, that he goes to the father and he, and, and he, and he receives a, a fresh baptism of the spirit of God each day so he may know how to reach those he comes in contact with. So, like, like my brother said, we must follow the example of Christ in the morning. The Bible says the mercies of God are what? New every morning. Where's that found? Anyone know where that's found? Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Yes, write that down. The mercies of God are new every morning. Now, how many of you need the, the mercy of God? Amen? Someone better say amen. We need the mercy of God every, every moment. Not only every morning, but every moment we need the mercy of God. So, but every morning specifically, there's a special blessing in coming to God in the morning. Paul, um, go to, to the book of, go to the book of um, Psalms, Psalms chapter 5, quickly. Psalms chapter 5, and we're going to look at David. David was a man that, that uh, lived a very powerful life. He had his falls, but he was devoted to God. And we're going to see what, what his uh, devotional life looked like, at least in part. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 3. When you get there, say amen. amen. The Bible says in verse 3, My voice you shall hear what? In the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you. And I will what? Look up. I will set my eyes upon you in the morning. I will, you will hear my voice coming to you in the morning. First thing, before anything else in the day, we come to Christ and allow him to take control of our lives. Steps to Christ, page 70 says, says uh, we'll do questions later. That's right, they had to wake, they had to wake Christ up in the, in, in, in any... Yes, in the morning, in the morning, amen. Amen. Um, that's my train of thought. Steps to Christ, that's right, thank you. Steps to Christ, page 70 says, consecrate yourselves to God in the what? In the morning, this is your what? Your first work. So consecrate yourself to God in the morning. There's a special blessing that comes from the morning, amen? A special blessing. I, I, can, I really can't explain it. I don't know how to, you know, all the physiological things of it. I, don't, I don't, can't explain it, but in the morning, when you're by yourself, solitary with God, there's a special blessing for you. If you remember, uh, God sent manna from heaven, right? In Exodus chapter 16, that's right. And he sent manna. And, and, and that manna came down. Let's, let's turn there real quick so you're not just trusting, you're not just trusting me. Can you, can you trust me? How many of y'all trust me? Amen. No hands. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, the Bible says in, in uh, Jeremiah 17 verse 5, what? Curse is the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. So you can't trust me. You got to trust the word of God. Exodus chapter 16. Exodus 16 and verse, let's look at verse 4 real quick. <clears throat> Exodus 16, verse 4, when you get there, say amen. amen. 
The Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So God sent manna from heaven every day. Now, who is this, this bread symbolized? Jesus Christ. We find that in, in the book of uh, John chapter 6. It symbolizes Christ. And they were to go out every morning to receive this special blessing from God. In fact, later on in the chapter, it says that in the morning, they would see the what? Let's go to the verse. You held me. I, I'm just going somewhere. You don't even know where I'm going. Um, let's go to verse 7. In the morning, what would happen? In the morning, you shall see the, the glory of God. So there's a special blessing that would come to them in the morning. Now, say that, you know, I woke up late. Uh, I, I, I have a family. I have a kids. And, I, you know, I go out every morning to get bread. But this morning, somehow I went to bed late, whatever, was, you know, out doing things. And I, I got to bed late, got up late, and I came out to get bread around 1 o'clock. What would happen? It would be gone. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 says, so they gathered it every what? Morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. So that special blessing that comes in the morning um, could be lost if we don't go and receive what God desires to give us. And like I said before, God, God is the one that gives us these blessings. He, 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 he provides it for us, and it's just for us to go and, and just go and receive it. It's like he, he prepares our breakfast. He makes the meal for us. All we have to do is go and receive it from the Lord Jesus. Amen? The Lord is powerful. So the morning is, 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 a, is a blessing. But you say, well, Wesley, I, I just can't do it. I can't wake up in the morning. It's hard for me to get up. I can't wake up. You know, I'm tired. I, I'm not a morning person. It's hard for me to wake up in the morning. Well, beloved, it's hard for me to wake up in the morning, too. But I discovered something. This is, this is funny. I was in high school. And I, I discovered that it was hard for me to get up in the morning to have devotions. You know, I would, I would try. I knew it was the right thing to do. Uh, but at times, I wouldn't even want to have devotions. I wouldn't want to read. But I knew I needed to do it. And, and, uh, but it would be hard. I want to sleep in, you know, and just wake up just in time for breakfast because breakfast was early. I was like 6 in the morning. So, you know, I would just go to breakfast and, and get my food, and then I'm good. Just, I, and I wouldn't really have time for devotion. But I realized that, 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 that it wasn't something that was within me or much my nature that I couldn't get up. Because when I had a girlfriend, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. When I had a girlfriend, and I, I don't recommend that, amen, in, in, in high school. I don't recommend it that I was, I was, I was, I was out of my mind. <laughs> but anyway, um, but anyway I, I, in the morning, the morning time was the only time that I could spend with her one-on-one. I mean, without staff, you know, knowing and, you know, that kind of stuff. Mercy. But, um... <laughs> And so that was the only time I could spend with her, you know, was in the morning, where we can be alone. And so I made a purpose in my heart to get up extra early every morning so I could go spend time with her. But I couldn't get up in the morning to spend time with God. Now, why is that? Your priorities. I was infatuated with her, a fake kind of love for her, and that drove me to get up in the morning. When I couldn't get up in the morning to spend time with my Savior. You see... It's all about our motivation. Is Christ's love has really drawn us to Himself? Has it really pulled us to Himself? I'm going to talk about that in the next one. How how God really changed my heart, my personal experience, and how He really drew me to Himself and caused me to love Him so much that it wouldn't matter what was going on in the morning. I had to spend time with Him first. We got to have that that love relationship like we talked about yesterday. That 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 understanding of the character of God. 
So the morning, I, it's all about our motivation. Can, are we motivated, are we compelled by the love of God to get up and spend time with him? Is it just a, a routine or is it really draw, are we really being drawn by love? That's the question. Okay, so I can't stay awake. Yesterday I told a little story about how, you know, I, 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 I would uh, pray. I would be on my knees just begging God, you know, just praying for the Holy Spirit at 4 o'clock in the morning, fall asleep. You know, there'll be drooling, hanging out of my mouth, and I get up, you know, two out, three hours later, right? How do I stay awake in devotion? Have any of you experienced that before? You know, just, just fall asleep. I feel you. So, so what's, uh, I'm going to ask you, what things have you guys found that have been helpful in staying awake for devotion? Get out of bed, amen. Just get up and go somewhere. Yes. Go for a walk. Amen. Or the treadmill, that's what I do. Uh, when I'm in school, I, I go walk around the campus, you know, as I, I'm praying prayer walk around uh, once I get up, right away. Yeah. Hot, hot cold. Amen. Gets the blood flowing. That's right. I know Mavis don't like it, but hey, we need to do it. Amen. All right. Go to bed early. That's a, that's a key point right there. That's a key point. Our day does not begin in the morning. Amen. In, the, in, the, in, the, in, in Genesis, what does it say? The evening and the morning were the first day. So your, your day begins in the evening. If you go to bed early, you can get up earlier. Amen. Cold water in the face, amen, that's right, good. Mm, letting God wake you up. There's a promise about that in, uh, in uh, Isaiah 50, 50, verse 4, powerful. Don't eat so late, amen, amen. Drink a lot of water, amen, first thing, yeah, that'll get you going. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Turn on the lights. Get, get light in the room, in, in, in the place. So getting the blood flowing, getting the shower, walking in, walking in the morning, praying, talking to God. These are ways that we, can, that we can stay awake during our devotional time and have it be a vibrant experience. I, I, I know I've, I've experienced it many times uh, when I was, you know, just, you know, getting up and just kneeling on the bed. It's, just, it's, 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 it, it's an effort, amen? It's, play, praise God for that. At least you're getting up, you're, you're kneeling by the bed, but many times it's not, it's, you'll just... Fall back asleep. I've, I've experienced it many times myself. So a good thing to do is get up, go somewhere, take a shower, go walk around, and that will help you to stay awake um, in your time with God in the morning. Because we're, we're all flesh, amen? The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing, amen? Amen, amen. So that's the ways we can stay awake. There's a few practical things I wanted to throw in there before we get into the, uh, into the, the, the real um, topic of what we're going into today, which is um, solitary time with the Savior, why we can't see, why we can't we not behold Christ, why is it that we, when we look at the, the picture of Jesus, it doesn't touch our hearts or our minds? Why are we blinded to it? It's kind of like going into a building, and this building is labeled the Bible. And in the building, the, the, you, you, you have many, many rooms. In these rooms, you have little placards on the, on, on the doors, and they say, you know, the creation account, the flood, Moses going through the Red Sea, Gethsemane, Calvary. And you can go into these rooms in this building called the Bible, and you can, and you can picture and you can see what's going on. You can uh, uh, reaccount or re, re, uh, uh, you can have it go over in your mind. You can actually picture this thing. And someone's told you, I went to this building called the Bible, and I, and I went in this room, and it was, it, was, it was powerful. It was Gethsemane and Calvary. And you, you want to imagine the things that I saw there. It just changed my life. And so you're like, yeah, I want to go to that building. I want, I want, to, I want to go to that building called the Bible. 
And I want to see that, 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 that same room. I want to go in that room that says labeled Calvary or labeled Gethsemane. And I want to have that same experience. But you go into the room and it's just dark. You know it should be there. You, your friend told you it was there. And they saw it. But for some reason it's dark and you can't turn the light on. What can we do to solve that problem? Why are we blind to the things of God? Is that a good question? Do you want to find the answer? Where, where do we need to find the answer? In the Word of God. Let's, let's study the Bible this morning. Uh, let's go to the book of 2 Peter. You know, uh, 2 Peter is a powerful book. How many of you studied 2 Peter before? I just recently started studying 2 Peter, and it's blown my mind. I, I mean, I've only gotten like to the 10th verse in the last three months. Because it's so power-packed. 2 Peter is amazing, and we're going to find the key to spiritual blindness in this chapter. Um, I'm going to give you a little, uh, actually a little uh, endorsement from the spirit of prophecy on the um, second chapter of Peter, or the first chapter of the, of the second book of Peter. It says, the first chapter of, the, of second Peter is full of instruction. It strikes the what? The keynote. How many of you want victory? Amen. Amen. It strikes the keynote of victory. The truth is impressively forced upon the mind by the way it is presented in this chapter. Let us more abundantly recommend the study of these words and the practicing of these precepts. So we're going to study this book that Ellen White said that we should study if you want to have victory. Amen? So we're studying why we're blind. Why can't we see these things? Why can't we identify Christ and see him more clearly? So as we see him, it changes our lives. It makes us devotional like Paul. It makes us powerful like Paul. It makes us willing to do anything like he did. Let's go to verse 9. And we're going to work our way backwards. I just happened to be studying one morning, actually, and just happened upon this verse. I was studying the word blindness. I was going through the different words, blindness, and I found blindness here in this chapter. And I started studying. I'm going to show you what I found. Chapter 1, verse 9. Are we all there, amen? The Bible says, For he who what? Lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. And has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So here we find that these individuals are blind. And why are they blind and short-sighted? They lack something, but before that, what happened? Why are they blind? That's true. They forgot. And they're also, they lack what things? They lack these things. Those that lack these things are short-sighted and blind. And they forget that they're cleansed from their past sins. So what are these things? Exactly. See, when, you, when you're studying the Bible, there's something like, that's called what? Context. See, we want to go back and study the context and see what this, this verse is really talking about. What things is he talking about? Because if we, can, if we can identify these things that are causing us to be blind and receive these things, then we can have light. Does that make sense? That's a logical conclusion. Amen? Let's go to verse 8. If these things, you notice these things, again, the, word, the wording there. If these things, verse 8, are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the what? In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have two verses here. One verse says if you lack these things, you're blind. The other verse says if you have these things, you will not be blind, you will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of God. So what again are these things that he's talking about? What are these things that if I have them, I'll be fruitful, producing much fruit, and if I don't have them, I'll be blind? What are these things he's talking about? Any idea? Context. You've got to go back to the context, family. So let's look at, not verse 7, but let's begin verse 5, because we see a progression of verse 5, 6, and 7. The Bible says there, But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence to add to your faith virtue, 
to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness what? Love. So now we're getting a kind of a picture of what these things he's, that, he, that, that he's mentioning, what, what he's talking about. So, so these things are, are listed here as, you know, faith, all, all these different virtues, right? All these different characteristics that Christians should and need to have. And, and what is this, these, these, these things or these, these things we see here, what are they sometimes akin to or what are they sometimes likened to? The fruit of the Spirit, what else? A ladder. A ladder. It's like a ladder of progression. You, you go up and up and up and up this ladder until you come to, the, to, to love, ultimately. And if you have these things, you will not be bearing or unfruitful. You will not be blind. Because if you lack them, you're blind. But if you have them, you are not blind. So this thing is like a ladder. And in the spirit of prophecy, we, we see that. The ladder of fall. So we have these things. Love, brotherly kindness, godliness, patience, temperance, knowledge, virtue, and faith. And so we need these things in order to have eyesight. But let me ask you, if these things are a ladder, like she, she um, says right here, all these graces we must have. We must climb the whole length of the ladder. So if we're going to climb this ladder, this ladder that has faith on it and has uh, kindness and, and brotherly kindness and love and perseverance, what's important about using a ladder? If you, I mean, if, if you are, are using a ladder... What things must you identify before you get on that ladder? The foundation. I mean, this ladder looks kind of like, I mean, it's just kind of hanging out in space. I don't think I, I want to get on that ladder. I need to know and see the foundation of the ladder in order to know that I can ascend to the top. Amen? So what is the foundation? We have to know what is resting upon. A proper ladder use here. What do you do before you get on the ladder? You, you, you have to see what it's resting on. A ladder is only as good as the foundation that it is resting upon. So what is the foundation of this ladder? We see a ladder that has faith, that has virtue, that has knowledge, that has self-control, temperance, perseverance. What is the, 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 the foundation of this ladder? Because if we, if we have these things, once again, if we, if we have these things, what, what will happen to us? If we don't have these things, what, what are we? We're blind. So what is the foundation of these things? Because we need all these things. We have to have them. It's the ladder. But what is the foundation? What is the, the, the crux or the core of these things? Let's look at verse 4. Is it in verse 4? Let's check it out. We got to search the scriptures. Amen? The Bible says, by which, we have by which have been given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through what? Through lust. So we see promises there. Is that the foundation? What is the foundation of this ladder? Someone take a guess. Someone, someone from what you've seen so far, what is the foundation of this ladder? Ooh, here we go. Here we go. She's catching on to it. Let's go to verse 3. Go back one more verse. Because... Before we, go to verse, before we go to the verse 3, in verse 8 and verse 9, we saw, we saw if you lack what? These things. If you have what? These things. Look at, look at verse 3. Okay. As his what? Divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by what? Glory and virtue. So his divine power has given us what? Wait, 
I think y'all need to get this. His divine power has given us what? All things. Now, things. Once again, he's talking about things. If you lack these things, if you have these things, you'll be blind or you'll be, you will be fruitful. So what is the power of God that gives us all these things? Because I, I, I think that this is going to be the foundation. Because this is where all these things come from. So what, in fact, is the power of God? I hear, a, I hear a little murmur. What is the power of God? Grace. Love. I heard a few things. Amen. That's where we're going next. Divine power. What is the divine power? Let's go to the book of Romans. Where? Romans. We're going to find what this divine power is because this is the foundation of us understanding these things and then being fruitful, being, having eyesight. What is the divine power? Go to the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 16 and verse 17. Put it on the screen for you there. When we all get there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, for I am not ashamed of what? The gospel, amen. I'm ashamed, like last year's GYC. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is what? So the gospel equals the power of God. So we can say the gospel is the power of God, or the power of God is what? The gospel. So let's read it again. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Then check verse 17. Look at this carefully. It says, for in it. Now what is that speaking of? Exactly. What I was talking about previously. For in it, what happened? What's revealed? The righteousness of God is revealed. Now when something is revealed, what does that mean? You can view it. You can see it. You can perceive it. Those of you that were here yesterday, remember the power of what? Perception. The power of perception. So for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. So what it's saying here is that the power of God, or the, the gospel equals what? The power of God. And the power of God, in the power of God we have, or in the gospel we have what? The righteousness of God revealed, or the character of God revealed. If you look that word up in the, in the Greek, that, that, word, that word of righteousness, you'll find, you can look it up later, it means the characteristics of God. And so what it's saying is this. I'll give you the divine equation here. What it's saying is this. If A equals B and B equals what? C, I mean A equals C, then what? B equals C. That just makes sense, you know, math, whatever. And so if the, if, if, if the gospel, A, equals the power of God, and the gospel equals the righteousness of God revealed or the, or the character of God revealed. Therefore, the power of God equals what? The righteousness of God revealed or the character of God revealed. Now let's take this back to 2 Peter. Let's take this back to 2 Peter and let's plug it in. So we're looking for a foundation, amen? 
We're looking for a foundation to this ladder so we can get on it and be steady and, be, and get all the way up to the top of this ladder and so that we may not be blind or unfruitful. And the, the foundation of the ladder we found is the power of God. And if we plug the power of God into this verse, what does it say? As his divine power or as a, a revelation of the character of God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. As we talked about yesterday, we must understand the character of Jesus. Amen? Now, I don't know if we understand how important this is. You know, oftentimes when we talk about the character of God, we talk about it as if, you know, oh, I can't understand the character of God. I mean, we'll never, I've heard this many times, we will never be able to understand the character of God fully until eternity, right? Or even in eternity, you'll be able to understand it. But I believe that that's kind of like a, a cop-out to us not seeking and searching for the character of God more here on this earth, Amen. Because I believe that if we're not searching for it and looking for it and it's not being revealed to us now, we'll never go home. Because if we're not seeing Christ and him revealed, if we're not seeing how he fully and truly is, we will never be like him. Amen? And as we saw yesterday, the, the quote there, that the last message of mercy is a revelation of the character of God through his people. That's the last message. That's the, the closing message. And if we don't have that within us, if we're not viewing him and continually seeking to understand this foundation, nothing else matters. That's the foundation. Are, are foundations important? They are. A man one time was in New York City, and they were building some skyscrapers. And as they were building these skyscrapers, he was, he was fascinated at how they were put together and all these machinery that they used to, to, and all the workers that were there to, to put these humongous buildings that raised into the clouds. And so he's watching them. And as they were preparing the ground, he, he, he saw them digging a, a, a hole, and he walked up to the hole, and he's like, wow, why in the world is it so deep? Y'all digging and digging for hours, digging and digging for hours. Why is it so deep? So he talked to the foreman and asked the foreman, Foreman, why, is, why do you have to dig so deep? And guess what he said? Because we want to go so high. We got to dig so deep so we got to, because we're going, we're going so high. Beloved, if we don't understand the found, this foundation, if we don't go deep into this foundation, we can never ascend into the clouds of glory. We got to go deep into the, the character of God, deep into who he is every day, seeking, saying, God, show me more of who you are. I'm not satisfied with my knowledge now. I got to go deeper so I can go higher. Amen? We wonder sometimes why we have reached a plateau in our, in our Christian experience, or a plateau in our, in our religious life, and oftentimes it's because we, we, we stop seeking to have a deeper connection with God, a deeper understanding of who he is at a base foundational level. Amen? We have to understand this. If you want to raise up, if you want to see Christ better, we have to seek him continually each and every day and seeking a revelation of his character. Now, this, this, this ladder that we're talking about, its foundation is upon the earth. And, and this knowledge of God, this knowledge of God, this knowledge of who, who God is, is the foundation of this, this ladder, this, this picture of who he is. Because as we see him, if we see him, what will happen? will be changed. We'll actually know him. Amen? We'll have a knowledge of him. And this is what it says. Knowledge of God inspires what? In faith. Faith in him as the only channel to convey heaven's blessing to the soul. So a knowledge of God, a knowledge of him is what drives us to faith, the first round on, on the ladder. Before we even reach faith, we must know who God, what? Who he is. And we know who he is by, by seeing him, by the power of God. 
This is what it says next. A knowledge of God is the what? Is the foundation of all true education and of all true service. It is the only real safeguard against what? Against temptation. Do you want to know God? Do you want to know who he really is? That's what I seek with my whole heart, beloved. I don't know him, as I should. I'm, I'm right here. I'm not preaching to, to, to you all. I'm preaching to myself. I, I don't know God as I should. I want to know him more. Amen? We have to. That's the foundation. We've got to go deep if you want to go high. We've got to go deep. The foundation. Because this actually, oftentimes we, 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 we focus a lot on, on behavior. Amen? You can't do this. You can't do that. You should do this. You should do that, right? But really, if we focus on the foundation, seeing God for who he really is, it will affect all those other things as well. You see, seeing in our mind, Todd talked about how we have to have our minds cleared, our minds, the, 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 the struggle we have right now in this earth uh, with, with, the, with the, the great controversy against good and evil is a controversy that goes on in the mind. And we must see God for who he really is in our mind, and then that, that, that seeing will affect our, 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 our thinking. And our thinking will affect our feeling, and our feeling will affect our behavior, which will ultimately form our what? Our characters. But we have to get back to the foundation. If we can see the foundation, the foundation if we can see Jesus, we'll be changed. Oftentimes, it's not, this is not the focus, but it needs to be. All other things are built upon this foundation. Christ is the only way. So we must understand what this is. Because... Understanding the power of God will in turn affect our ability to understand the Bible. Do you believe that? Turn to Matthew real quick. And this shows, this shows that how, that how that really is a play out in Scripture. Understanding the power of God or what our revelation of his character will also affect the way we understand Scripture. How we are either blinded or given light as to what the Scripture says. Look what it says here. Their perception. So important. Matthew 22, verse 29. Now, Jesus here is speaking to the Sadducees, and they're asking about if this man, if this lady has all these different husbands, who should be married to in heaven? And Christ answers the question in verse 29. Are we all there, amen? The Bible says, Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing what? Nor the power of God. So we see that those two are, 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 are tied together. Understanding and revelation of God's character will also, in turn, reflect upon your understanding of what? Scripture. Both are tied together. If we don't understand the, the character of God, his revelation of who he is, uh, a base foundation, we will not understand Scripture. This is also illustrated with the people that were walking to Emmaus, the two men. Remember them? Let's turn there real quick. I, I told you we're, we're, we're going to go back there to um, Luke 24. And we're going to see the same thing. If we don't understand the purpose of Scripture, the foundation of who God is, what His purpose is, then we will not understand the rest of Scripture. And we'll be blinded to it as they were blinded to, to Jesus. They couldn't see Him even when He was in their presence. Luke 24. Luke 24, and I, I won't read the whole thing again. I encourage you once again to go back and read it. But we'll both go ahead and begin... In verse, it will begin in verse 13 and go to 15. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a, a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. 
but what? Their eyes were restrained so that they what? Should not know him. So Christ is right there walking with them, drawing near to them, and he's right there, but their eyes are restrained. They cannot see. They cannot behold Jesus, even though he's right in their presence. I've experienced that before. You go to the, you go to the, and read it in the Word of God, but it's like black words on white paper. It doesn't do anything to you. You don't realize that Christ is right there with you. Your eyes are restrained, and their eyes are restrained. Why? Well, they go into a little dialogue here about, you know, why are you guys sad? Oh, are you a stranger, Jesus? Why haven't you been here? Haven't you heard the news? What's gone on? This great man was here. He, 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 he was a, we thought him to be a prophet. We thought he was doing all these miraculous things. He, he, he uh, was crucified, and he died. And verse 21 says, but we what? We trusted or hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. So they had a wrong conception of what Christ's purpose was. They thought he was going to establish an earthly, temporal kingdom, but that wasn't, that wasn't the truth. He was coming to establish a, a, a heavenly kingdom. They had a wrong conception of who, what his mission was, and therefore they could not understand the word of God. What does it say in verse 25? He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all what? The prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning where? Verse 27. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things what? Concerning himself. So, beloved, he, he said, he's saying to, to the, these two individuals, you do not understand my purpose. You do not understand why I came. And let me, let me show you throughout all of Scripture my mission. Amen? Let me show you throughout all of Scripture how I've been, I've, I've been revealing myself, my salvation, my love, my character to you throughout all the Word of God. Let me give you the right mindset so you can see and understand why I came. Is it important to understand why Christ came? Listen, the Jews did not understand why Christ came, and therefore they, they rejected him. And it's going to be similar in Christ's second coming. If we don't understand why Christ, or what Christ is doing right now, what he's done in the past, and that, that formation or that, that idea, that perception is not forming our, our understanding of Scripture, we will not understand it when he comes, when he is ultimately revealed in the clouds of glory. If we haven't seen a revelation of him today, I'm here now. So it's very important that we understand our right conception of why Christ came, what he came to do, and why he is here. Let me answer this question. What was it that that got Adam and Eve in the garden? What caused them to fall? Let's go there real quick. Real quick, I want to go there because this is is the very beginning, the very beginning of time. And we're going to see that the enemy has been using the same tactics from the very beginning to now. Genesis trying to give us a misconception of who the Lord Jesus is. So the, because God's purpose, the foundation is a revelation of his character. And the enemy is always trying to do something. Amen? We all know that. Genesis chapter 3. When you get there, say amen. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more cunning or subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You should not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you what? Lest you die. So she, she knew something about what God had said. She said a little bit extra. But look at verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, What? You will not 
surely die. So first he questions her and says, did God really say that you cannot eat of every tree of the garden? And then he says, no, you will not surely die. God is telling you a lie. God is a liar. Look, at what, look at, this, this is how God is. For God knows, verse 5, for God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be what? Open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the enemy offers her, hey, your eyes will be open. God is lying to you, Eve. God is, is, is telling you an untruth. He's, he's withholding something from you. He is holding your eyes and covering your eyes so you cannot understand. But in reality, what is God doing? He's revealing his character to them every day, showing them more and more of his love. But, they, but Satan's like, no, I can open your eyes even more, Eve. You, you, you can see things you've never seen before. And what's it say in verse 6? So when the woman, what? When she, what? Saw. When she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate it. She also gave it to her husband with her and he did eat. And so we see her, her, her conception changed of who God was. Instead of seeing the tree as something bad, something that God has said you should not eat this, she changed her conception. She saw it differently. God told her one thing and the enemy told her another thing and she believed the lie of the enemy. And so many times we're falling into that same trap of, of the misconception of who God really and truly is. Isn't that true? It tells us an inspiration the very same thing. From the what? From the beginning, it has been Satan's studied plan. You know, Satan studies? He's a student of the Word of God as well as of us. How much more should we study, amen? From the beginning, it has been Satan's studied plan to cause men to forget God, that he might secure them to himself. Hence, he has, what? Sought to misrepresent the character of God, to lead men to cherish a false what? conception or perception of who God really is. The reason we oftentimes cannot understand what, who God is or what he's doing is because our minds are blinded with misconceptions, misinterpretations, misperceptions of who and what Christ came to do. That is really the truth. So my question is, as we skip through a few of these slides, what was the mission of Christ in humanity? To save you, amen. But more than that. Y'all getting it? The mission of God in humanity was exactly that. Now, where can we find that in Scripture? Let's go to the Scripture. Because we need to have these firm ideas, amen, it's, uh, firmly grounded in the, in the Word of God, amen? Not just ideas, we've got to have them from the Word of God. So let's go to John 1. And, and is it true that Jesus really came to show us what the Father is like, to reveal his true character to us? <clears throat> Let's go to the book of John, chapter 1. What was Christ's purpose? Oftentimes we, we don't understand it fully. We understand part of, of what Christ came to do, but not the full, total, sum of it. John 1, and let's look at verse 4. When we're all there, John 1, say amen. The Bible says, in him was life, and the life was the what? What does light do? It shines. It brings, if, if you're in darkness, can you see? No, you can't see anything. Look at verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness what? So Christ came to shine light in the darkness. 
Now, what is it, if you're in, in darkness, you cannot see. So what, the question is, what is God shining light upon? What does he want people to see? Look at verse 18. Verse 18. What does it say there? No one has what? Seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father has declared him. So what he's saying is that no one has seen God at any time. No one's beheld God. No one's been able to understand who he's, what he's really about. So I'm coming to show you who God is, who my Father is, so that you can understand and have a perception of who he is. Now look at this. Um, you can write this one down. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4. This is also a, a giving more on Christ's mission. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4. In whom the God of this world, who's that talking about? Satan, in whom the God of this world has what? Blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious what? Gospel, the light that shines the character of God. The gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. So what's, what's the enemy trying to blind our eyes to? How Jesus represents the Father, his character. That is what the enemy is trying to blind us to. You have to get an understanding of what that character is. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, the Bible says, God hath in these last days spoken unto us by what? His Son, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, the upholding of all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he came and he was the brightness of his glory, the express image. That word, look it up, is character. In the Greek. That's where we get the word character from. That's how it's spelled. The transliteration is right there. Character. Christ came to show us the character of his father. The exact character of his father. The express image. Look it up when you get home. We believe, he who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who what? Who sent me. And he who what? Sees me. He who beholds me. He who understands me understands who? Sees him who sent me. So Christ's purpose is saying, I I'm coming so you can see the Father, get a correct perception of who he is, because from the what? From the beginning, right? Satan has been trying to misrepresent the character of God, but Christ came and he says, no, I got to show you who I I'm really like, the foundation of all these things. I must show you clearly and make it plain to you so you may know and be prepared to have all the rest, the faith, the virtue, the knowledge, so you may not be blind. Satan's trying to blind you, but I'm trying to give you light as to who I am. So important, so important. These are other verses you can, you can drop down real quick on the, on the mission of Christ. These all talk about how we, we see him, we see the Father, he did his Father's will, he did what his Father thought. It was all the Father. It was all about showing us who his Father is all about. It was not about him, it was about his Father. He lived a life of selfishness, showing us who God was. Submitting to his Father each and every day, each and every morning. Oh, you want to go back? <laughs> I'll let you drop those down real quick. The mission of Christ to show us the Father. Now, I, I admit to you this morning that I have not, I've, I've not always understood the character of God. How about you guys? You know, at times, oftentimes in the past, I've thought of Jesus as my Savior, right? He's the one that saves my life. He gives me salvation. And that when I sin, when I do something wrong, the Father is mad at me, but I can run to who? Run to Jesus, and he'll take care of me, right? And he'll, 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 he'll shield me from the, from the Father's wrath. 
He was shooting from the, all the, the father's angry. All he's, he's, so he wants to throw the lightning bolts at me, but, but Christ is there to take the blow, right? That is not what inspiration, that's not what the, what the Bible teaches us, amen? Jesus came to show us exactly what the father is. And the father, the father is not having these, these, these conceptions of evil against us and these conceptions of, of evil against us or, or bad against us. He wants us to understand himself, his love, and he showed us his love through Jesus. Through Jesus. Let me show you this, 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 this quote from the Spirit of Prophecy. Steps to Christ. How many of you love that book, Steps to Christ? Oh, hallelujah. I love that book. Beautiful. Read it. I'm on my fifth way through reading it right now. Beautiful book. The enemy of good blinded the minds of men so that they looked upon God with fear. They thought of him as, as, as severe and unforgiving. Satan led men to conceive of God as a being whose chief attribute is stern justice. One who is a severe judge, a harsh, exacting creditor. He pictured the creator as a being who is watching with a jealous eye to discern the errors and mistakes of men, that he may visit judgment upon them. It was to remove what? This dark shadow. By what? Revealing to the world the infinite love of God that Jesus came to live among men. I love, I love this, amen? Jesus came for the exact purpose of taking away the shadows, bringing light upon it, and showing us exactly, exactly who the Father's all about. That's what's blinding our eyes, beloved. The Satan is blinding our eyes with misconceptions of who God is. And I, I, I have to express this to you, that we must understand the character of God, not from Wesley's perspective, but from what God reveals to you individually. We must be open to put aside the preconceived ideas that we have about who, what God is. And say, God, Lord, teach me, show me, I'm going into your presence Please, Lord, show me what you're like. Reveal to, my, to me your character. I want to be like you. I want to be, be what you are. Please show me yourself. Reveal yourself to me. I have to know a proper conception. Change my mind, Lord. That should be our prayer, amen? Please, Father, I got to know what you're like. I have to know who you are. I have to. Because we can say we know him. Many should say that in that day, Lord, Lord and shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Christ will say, I never knew you, because you never knew me. So we got to know Jesus, beloved, to be like him. Spending time with Christ each and every day. So what, what are our, this, this is what is, is keeping us from understanding the, the character of God, a misconception, but it's not the only thing. Go to Matthew 4, as we close. Matthew 4. I'm sorry. Yeah, wait, no, that's a, that's a typo. That's Mark 4. Mark 4. Forgive me for that. Mark 4, and let's look at verse 13. When we're all there, can we say Amen. Amen. The Bible says, and this is the parable of the sower, so we all know what's going on here. And he said to them, do you not understand? Oh, actually, before we read that, before we read that, um, but in, in, in verse 2 through verse 9, we, he tells the parable. And then the disciples ask him, why are you speaking in parables? Why do you speak in parables, Jesus? Why do you tell all these stories all the time? And Christ answers the question in verse 12. Let's start in verse 12. So that seeing you may see and not what? Perceive. And hearing they hear and not understand, lest they should turn 
and their sins be forgiven them. So what he's saying is people are blinded. They see, but they're not seeing. They try and hear. They have ears, but they, they can't hear. So I got to speak in parables to reveal myself to them. Because we're seeing, but we cannot, we're blinded. Even though we're right there, in, it's right there in front of us. And, and Christ goes on to tell more about why we can't see him. And, and, and he explains the parable in verse 13. Look what it says. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How when you understand all, how then will you understand all these parables? The sower sows the word. And there is, and, and there are the ones by, and, there, and, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word was sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes it away, and the word that was sown, the word that was sown in the heart. Then verse 15, 16 says, These likewise are the ones sown in stony ground, who when they hear the word of God, immediately they receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure for what? A time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they, they what? They stumble. These individuals don't have a, a firm foundation. Their, their foundation is not deep enough, so when the first earthquake comes, well, guess what? Bam, it's done. Now look at the, look at the next one. So our, our foundation has got to be deep, amen? Look at the next one. Look at verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are those ones who hear the word. And the cares of what? This life. The deceitfulness of Riches and the desires for what? Other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Do you remember that word? Second word, second Peter. If you have these things, what would happen? You will not be barren and you will not be unfruitful in the knowledge of God. But because of this, because of the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the, and the, the care for other things, Sometimes the reason we can't understand God, we can't understand the word of God when we read it is because our mind is so cluttered with all the other things. All the things of this life, the cares of this world, the, the jobs and, and, and the promotions and the retirement and, and, and the schoolwork and the classes and, 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 the, and the tests, our minds are consumed with other things, therefore we cannot understand the word of God. Beloved, we've got to put Christ first in our minds. The Bible says that he that he that lives according to the flesh sets his mind on the things of the what? The flesh. But he who, who lives according to the spirit sets his mind on the things of the spirit. That's Romans 5, verse 4. Verse 5, actually. Romans 5, verse 5. So we must set our minds on the Lord Jesus. Put away distractions. Put away those things that are, are cluttering our minds. Even relationships, amen? They can be distractions to us, us young people. We've got to put aside those things. The, the, the word of God, understanding the, understanding the character of God is more important. It's more important than all those other things. More important than, 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 than that, that degree. More important than getting done with school quickly. More important than, 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 than all of these things. God's word, understanding his character, put aside those things and allow the Lord Christ to come into your mind. Amen? To transform you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first a revelation of his character. Beloved, I believe that our church is in, 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 in a dire situation right now. I believe that as me, even, even myself, we, we are not seeking God as we should. We still have a desire a lot of times. I speak to some people, young people, and they, I, I mean, I still have a desire. Have you been there before? 
I've definitely been there before. I just did not have a desire to, to study the Word of God. No desire at all. But what, do you, what do you do in that situation? Hey, God, I don't desire to study your Word. I don't desire to pray, God. I don't desire it at all. But, Lord, please put it within me. Please give me that desire. I don't have it. Please give it to me. Please, Lord, give it to me. Please, Lord, give it to me. I believe God wants to take us on that ladder to perfection. Amen? To that ladder where love is the ultimate fulfillment, the perfect love of God. We got to get there. Amen? We got to get there by, by, by spending time digging that deep foundation in the character and the revelation of who he is. And we're going to understand more about that in our next session. But how many of you want to say, I, I want to I I have that deeper revelation? I really, how many of you realize that you have not been seeking God enough in his character? I, I'm with you. How many of you want to make a, a commitment and say, Lord, I want to seek you more. I want to spend more time with you. I want to be able to see you for who you really are. I want to get the blinders off my eyes and Satan's trying to place there. Do you want that? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead, and, and if that's your desire, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us a revelation of the character of God through your Son. Lord, help us to put away the things of this world. Let us put away the cares of this life, Father. Let us put you first and only and always, Lord. We realize, Lord, that we have not sought an understanding of your character and, and, your, and your law and your word enough. But, Lord, we, we desire to do it, Father. And if we don't have the desire, put it within us, Lord. We would see Jesus, Lord, show us a clear picture of who he is like you showed to Paul. And may our lives reflect that revelation each and every day. We thank you, Lord, and pray this in Jesus' name. This message was produced by GYC a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. GYC seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians in contemporary contexts. To download or purchase other resources like this, or if you have been blessed by GYC and would like to donate, visit gycweb.org or email info at gycweb.org. You could also reach us via mail at P.O. Box 3786 Ann Arbor, Michigan 48106. This recording is licensed under Creative Commons. This means you can copy and share it with anyone you like. Please attribute this recording to GYC wherever you reuse it. And keep in mind that resale and alteration are strictly prohibited.